All right, thank you, everyone. It's a great privilege to be able to come to you and, and, and teach something from God's Word. It's always a great experience when you have to study to teach, you study a whole lot more than what you would normally do. Uh, you have to somehow know, know a little bit more about the, the, the topic at hand. So it's always a benefit and it's always worth it. Let's start in prayer. Father, we humbly come before you as we open your word to, to learn more. We want to learn each day. There's so much we can learn. We never know enough. And we are grateful that here, as a church, we come together to, to discuss your word, to to help each other. May you teach us and this be in our hearts for this uh, next week and longer to help us to lift this out, not just it uh, be something that was verbalised one week and we forgot about it. We thank you for loving us enough to keep investing in us. Thank you, Father. We're continuing on from what uh, Daniel's been uh, teaching from 1 Corinthians, this second letter to the Corinthians by Paul. Um, slight, small note, there book we call 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter and the book we call 2 Corinthians is actually the fourth. We know there was two others. We don't know where they are or they may not have been uh, sufficient for God to put them in the canon. But um, just a side note. So we read from uh, chapter 9, verse 1 to 18. Am I not free Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it the ox that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the ploughman should plough in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. 
If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? (coughs) Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting, uh, sorry, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. I titled this The the Truth of Uh, Paul's ministry as we continue from uh, chapter 8. Paul here used an example of what he was teaching earlier. In chapter 8, verse 9, he says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. He instructed the people in uh, this church in Corinth to be considerate to those around him, to refrain from certain actions. These actions may cause others to go astray, and he wanted people to be considerate so as to not affect others negatively. He didn't instruct the people that those actions are necessarily outlawed, but that the cause it has on someone else could cause them to sin, which then is a sin on on you. Here Paul gives gives us an example of something that is potentially causing a distraction to the church in Corinth. Paul has previously been to the church in Corinth and he is, is one of the key figures that was responsible for them coming to Christ. Here in chapter 9, he asks a whole lot of rhetorical questions. And he does this to defend his ministry and his way of conducting himself. He asks, am I not free? This is the freedom we get, that liberty we get as Christians from God. Am I not an apostle? 
Now, an apostle is someone who witnessed Jesus Christ himself in person, learned from him direct. Paul qualifies in that regard, even though he wasn't one of the 12 apostles at the time, but he did witness uh, through a dramatic event um, Jesus Christ in person. Jesus Christ in, in Damascus came to Paul, convicted Paul, and turned him around from his murderous actions against the, the Hebrew people. In Acts 9, we hear of this salvation account. Then he was going by his Hebrew name of Saul, but in Galatians 1, Paul himself explained uh, these details, and he says in verse 12, I did not receive the gospel I preach from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So we see no man... But Jesus taught Paul himself. Paul was selected for his ministry duties to go to the Gentiles, not because he was good. He was quite far from it, but God chose him because God wanted that to be that way. Next question Paul asks us, are you not my work in the Lord? So the fact that the church in Corinth was a Bible-believing, God-fearing, professing uh, church testifies of Paul's apostleship. The fact that they are disciples of Jesus and that Paul taught them is testimony of that. So Paul continues to ask his rhetorical questions because the church in Corinth already knows them. Every answer to these questions is assumed to be yes. He doesn't have to reintroduce himself as as a person or a teacher. Verse 1 he asks, "Are Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? It sounds at, at the surface like he's taking credit for their, their salvation, but he's proving that they know him. They can testify to others that he truly is the apostle that God sent to them. In 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6, we hear that I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He's not taking credit for teaching them. He's just reiterating that they already know him. He was there. He taught them. They follow Christ. That is the proof. So in verse 2 he says, You are the seal of my apostleship. Paul heard of the way the Corinth people were living. And he was appealing to them in, a, in, in the early part of this letter to turn from their misguided practices. Like us, they are sitters. 
They are counted as part of God's flock. They have the fruit that exhibits uh, their, their following of Christ. But they were they've fallen into bad ways. Partly because these churches in this region were frequently visited by false teachers. These teachers came around to mislead the people and they also came to discredit the true teachers that came before them. Many of these false teachers taught that the Old Testament rituals were still to be followed. You still had to require the old laws to please God. These teachers accused Paul of not being a true apostle. They wanted to create a doubt in these people's minds to, to distract away from, from God. They had a message that they wanted to teach, but they had to break down first what Paul and others had taught them before. But they don't have a message based on truth. So they would have to manufacture lies. And they were lacking authentication themselves. In his appeal to the church, Paul proved that it requires a true apostle or disciple of us today to teach of the saving grace of God. He reiterates that it is, it is true that the church are followers of Christ it is true that Paul taught them and then their salvation proves that he is an authentic teacher. All to say that the message he taught them is true. They should have that confidence in the message, not in him per se, but in God's word. In verse 3, Paul continues to defend his rights as a teacher of God's law. And he asks whether God has given us the right to eat and drink. And yes, God has. God's given us all the right to live. He's given us the right to earn from our, from our work. And so to the ministers. The ministers that sows into our lives are allowed to earn an income. And they are allowed to earn an income to support themselves and their families. This role as a minister working for God was initiated in the Israelites with Aaron and his sons and the Levite family to continue on. Aaron and his sons were tasked with leading ceremonies and there was one peace offering that uh, in Leviticus 7, 28 to 38, we're not going to read it all, but the peace offering was demanded by God. People had to come and sacrifice an animal. From this animal, the blood and the fat was offered up, burnt for God. The breast and the right thigh was given to Aaron and his sons. And the remainder 
was to be kept by the, the people, the family. So quite explicitly, Aaron, his sons, the priests of that time, they were to materially benefit from other people. False, false teachers back then and today go into ministry for very selfish reasons. Most do it for money. Many do it for acclaim. But they take verses like this out of context to justify their decisions and they appeal to the people to give abundantly to them. They don't have solid truth in the foundation from God's word. But they often will speak many truths which can be very appealing. But it doesn't give them legitimacy. We have to be careful what we listen to. We have to be very discerning when we listen to a sermon online when we read a book um, from a famous preacher. Most preachers out there, if you go into the Bible bookshops, many of them are false teachers. They present it really well. They carry a lot of truth, but they just slowly off. I like the analogy of a compass where north, perfect north, 360 degrees is our direction to God. 180 towards Satan, direct. But everything up to 359 and 1 degree is off. The longer you're on that road in a different direction, the longer it takes to get back. The harder that change is. But one degree is enough to send you in the wrong direction. It doesn't take much. So it's not, we, we need to be more careful of everything that's slightly off than what we are for the stuff that's 90 degree either way. We can tell very easily that 180 degree, someone professing to be a, a minister of Satan, well, we all know that's wrong. Someone at 90 degrees off either way may have a few things that look right. But one, two, a degree, either way, away from God, is harder to tell. That responsibility is ours. God doesn't give us the allowance that we can claim as ignorance when we read or listen to these false teachers. We cannot claim ignorance. It's not a valid defense. And we, each one of us, are responsible for making sure that what we learn is true according to his word. This is the only reference we can go to. No other book, no other resource is from God. Everything that he wanted us to learn from is in here today. There's two other... Let us, I mentioned that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, well, they didn't make it in here. We don't know why, that's not important, but this is the message God wanted us to retain. 
we have to discuss this continuously with each other. And this is what, what Jesus said, is we, we sharpen each other. Everyone teaching God's word have to accept criticism as well. It can be positive, but if it's wrong, it should be pointed out. In verses 4 to 12, Paul tells us that the ministers are allowed to stay alive by receiving provisions in sustaining their lives. Verse 5 shows ministers are allowed to have a family. But it also points out that ministers are not required by God's law to remain single or travel alone like some missionaries believe they have to do. Some churches today will require their ministers to actually remain single or their ministering lives. This is clearly contradictory to what God teaches. Staying single, Paul, we've seen in, in, in previous chapters that uh, uh, Daniel spoke on, staying single is, is only possible by some. But Paul doesn't go as far as saying we have to. Many won't. Most won't. So ministers are allowed to receive an income. And if we go back to Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, he says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. God instructed the people that these ministers, uh, that all of us have the right to earn from our work. And so a Bible teaching minister who seeks the truth of God in his teaching has that right to work for money. We all have to eat and teachers have the right to learn, uh, to earn a living. Although it being a, a small earthly reward for what they do, it's not the reward that awaits them in heaven. For those of us who are not full-time teachers, we're allowed to earn a living from our work. Uh, We also, in reverse, have to compensate those who work for us. Those working in ploughing and threshing the field may expect to share in the harvest that is to come. So we we can see clearly we're allowed to benefit materially from the work we do. So it's not a dirty work to earn earn money. And and it's probably quite appropriate that this is a week where Daniel's not teaching because I know he's a humble man, but he's entitled to earn from the work he does for God and, and serves us. So I think it's important to point out that it is good that we support him and his family, and God clearly makes it a right.
In verse 15, though, Paul says, But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting void. So, having said that, we have the right, and Paul highlights we have the right to earn, ministers have the right to earn according to God. He says, but I don't. And that is his choice. And he also said earlier, is it, is it, not, is it just Barnabas and I that are not allowed to earn and that we're not allowed to work for our income? Work outside of their ministry. Paul was a skilled tent maker and he practiced that to earn a weekly wage. To Paul, it was inconceivable to receive an income for his ministry work. He understood our position in Christ really well. But he had this extra conviction that he did not want to financially benefit from the people he teach. It was probably quite appropriate because those false teachers that went around to these regions did so expecting uh, good income. And they gave the true teachers a bad name. Paul did, though, on some occasions land in jail and was provided for by churches like some of those out of Macedonia. But we were always instructed to look after those who are in jail, who are unable to uh, work, uh, to widows, to children. And so when in jail, he was provided for as a love offering by other churches. The false teachers in those churches, and they do so today as well, claim that a teacher's fee, his asking fee, represented the quality of his sermon. That's very common today. We don't experience it so much here. We're blissfully unaware of what goes out, uh, on out there. But many, many big churches have ministers travelling the world expecting great fees. And they publish this. And they then market this minister visiting for these big events or big meetings trying to get more people in from afar. And it's all, it's all very wrong. But Paul doesn't say here, I don't want to earn an income from my ministry because he's trying to play on reverse psychology and get the people to give him more out of sympathy or... He's not trying to say, I am above others, I am so capable, I don't need this. He lived a very simple life. He wasn't wealthy. 
He probably lived from hand to mouth, but it was enough for him. He found no pleasure in earthly things and pursued, pursued the, the, the ministry of teaching the true gospel every day. He wanted nothing else from life but to teach the gospel message. And I think it's, it's beautiful to see, but most of us don't have that deep, uh, compelling um, desire placed on our hearts. But it is beautiful to see. Paul did not want more credit He did not want the people to revere him out of what he was teaching them. He just wanted God's message to get through to people. And this was his way of working for God. He didn't want any stumbling block for the people in Corinth. He had a means to earn an income and he wanted to use that instead He was given a right by God to earn. But he chose not to exercise that right, which is in itself another right he's allowed to use. And in this passage, he gives us one of those examples that if we go back to uh, chapter 8, where the people were told, be careful of what you do, that your actions do not lead others astray. This is his example. He didn't want to lead anyone astray. So we're not to completely change our lives and how we do things. We don't have to be over-careful, over-sensitive, tread lightly around people, say nothing offensive. He's not appealing to us to to avoid offending each other. But if it's truthful and sincere, the word of God is offensive because we're all sinners in our heart. We're reminded each day and and we need to go back to God's uh, word every day because we do need that constant reminder that we aren't perfect. And as far as what we've come in our walk with Christ, we are still not perfect. And we won't achieve that until the day he takes us home. But we are to love each other. And in that love, we, we find the compassion for others. And the compassion for others that what, our, what we do, our actions, our words, may cause them to go astray. It may... Inadvertently, it may cause them great harm. So in the love of God that is in us, we have to extend that love to others, be compassionate, and be attentive to what goes on around you. And then we look after each other, we help each other, We are the instruments of God and we are here and in this community at work where we go, we are to mimic him in every day.
Let's pray. Father God, your message to us is clear and concise and we appreciate writers like Paul who you put through great challenges and journeys that would be hard for us to go through. But we can learn so much from them. We appreciate your word. We thank you that we have each other here so we can sharpen each other. Help us to not get offended by someone wanting to help us and correct us. Thank you for all your teaching. It carries us and feeds us each day. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going we're gonna to sing a beautiful hymn um, called I Surrender All. And I think it, it, uh, it sums up what we are to do uh, in our lives every day.